You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. I was just going to say, hey. <laughs> I know. See? Now, now I got to Now you pinch. can't. It's already, this show is already over, guys. It's shut yes. off. Yeah. Yeah. Just just bail right now. Now, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to 2020. Uh, my name's Corey. I'm here with Benny and Siobhan. There he is. There's who? Hey. There's hey. us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mac, thanks for, thanks for continuing to listen to this show. We're, we're really happy that people are doing that. Are they? Yeah. If Benny hasn't <laughs> alienated you yet, then I don't know what's wrong with you or what's wrong with us. Really appreciate it. <laughs> well, it's a lot of foreshadowing because somebody's going to like off me on the radio at some point and be like, ah, and put me down. I'm sure. And then everyone's going to be clapping. What are you They're talking like, you didn't about? realize you had to torture yourself through like 77 episodes before I was finally shut down. Yeah, totally. Uh, so this week, uh, we're we're super. Did I tell you guys I'm back. tripping on mushrooms right now. Like I literally, like it the computer like screen is coming you keep out of my interrupting me. Uh, no, but like my back. computer screen is coming out of my fucking face, and I feel like I need to go pack something really tight for UPS and ship it out. I don't know what it is yet, but I'm going to do it. The story just keeps developing with you today. That's if any indication as to what to expect in this episode. Uh, we're, we're welcoming back David Eberzies, um, You know our, our good friend. You're right. The the former drummer of Pearl Jam during their best years, in our opinion, um, and should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Absolutely. If there's anything you take away yes. from this, we are petitioning. We need we need your help because if there's anyone that has been wrongfully um, screwed, fucked, maybe let's say you know at least a digit, maybe two digits, like a twenty twenty full finger in the in the bum, as far as the recognition he <laughs> deserves, the dignity, the respect. <laughs> The fucking compassion, the understanding of the influence. Point made. Point made. David Abrazee should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Just so you know, if you're in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, as far as a Rock and Hall, Roll Hall of Fame person that works there, get with it. They're not listening to our podcast, dude. Ne- next time I need to energize you when you're feeling a little sluggish, I'll just say David Abrazee's and I'll just get you all riled up. That's that's the best. Well, tactic. I start also like, you know, having like flashbacks of like tripping on mushrooms in Amsterdam because like, I mean... That's kind of like what we both started having on this episode. So if you watch me and David, our, our people start to get dilated about <laughs> as we're talking about the Red Hot Chili Peppers, of course. Yeah, no, he's obviously got all these these great stories about when he was touring with like, you know, the biggest bands on the planet and stuff like that. You know, it's it's, it's a good episode. I, I, I definitely think you guys should check it out. Um, I would and- recommend tripping afterwards, though, because you <laughs> might not. It, or actually, you know what? In, in the defense of tripping it might make more sense that's very true <laughs> so check it out or just be sober and listen to it you'll get just as much out of it i'm that's sure that's a good point <laughs> don't do drugs check it out david Aberziz. <laughs> all right ladies and gentlemen welcome to another edition of 2020 where up is down, left is right. And if you're playing Sega Genesis, you might know the code to Sonic the Hedgehog. I don't know it off the top of my head. It's like still like Contra, but a little bit enough different because it's Sega Genesis. <laughs> that said, not the Sega Master System, Sega Genesis classic. You're getting close to your mic, Ben. <laughs> Corey Peza. It's me. Yeah, right over there. <laughs> right over there. Over there, we have Siobhan Cronin. Who is mystical level transcendent philosopher as David's about to get into. And then I am so proud and so happy that he really cares to come back and speak with us. I don't know why, but I'm honored. I'm genuinely honored. David Abruzzese from 
Pearl Jam from the, oh, Connecticut. What was the mother? What was what the motherfuckers <laughs> you were in? Something motherfuckers. Oh, the international motherfucker. The international <laughs> motherfuckers. You're not just a motherfucker. You are an international level motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's coming on, man, since we last talked to you? So I just want to preface this whole conversation by I thanked David for coming on our previous podcast. And then he wrote me something to the extent of Siobhan asked me this question that made me, you know, and David, I'm paraphrasing, ponder my life. And it was a really beautiful question. And I, yeah, and I feel like yeah, I want, want to answer it, but none of us have a fucking clue of what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, man, because I don't either now. I know what it was. You were okay. you basically, you were speaking of like the part of it that, that um, motivated me and drove me into and pulled me into and. And as I started thinking about it, you know, I mean, last time I reevaluated that kind of, you know, question, I was asking it of myself. Mm -hmm. That was a long time ago. It was mushrooms, uh, you know, just. <laughs> sure, yeah. Time. Dude, I got a story. Did yeah. you read my email Hang about on, my mushroom tip? Ben, Ben, let him finish oh, what he's saying. We'll get to it. Okay, we'll yeah. talk about that in a second. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. I'm having a stoner. Okay. It's worth I'll turn interrupting. Around. I wasn't pressing. around. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sit in my so own corner. It, basically, you, you, uh, um, it got me to think of it, and it was nice to reevaluate it with all the experiences from the then to now. I actually understood so much more the depth of how, you know, what what inspired me and what pulled me this. It was it was deep and it was good, and you know, I mean, I got to think of my mom. You know, it was just it was a beautiful uh, question that I it just it. it only, only somebody who, you know, really, I guess, gives a shit would come up with that string of words. I just want to say thank you. Oh, of course. No, I mean, that's, that's what interests me. No, but yeah, I think you're right. It's like there's so many times where we don't realize that we haven't evaluated our lives in a long time. And sometimes it does just take someone asking you or like having an experience that makes you question something, you know, because a lot of the time we get in the rhythm of life and life happens sure. and then. 20 years goes by and you're like, what, what how did I start this? <laughs> yeah, I got, I was blessed enough to like, when I, great stories one day, um, you know, maybe I'll write them all down, but the, got, I was in this point where I got to spend, you know, a period of 10 years basically deciding how I was going to define things and setting like, yeah, that's how I looked at it before, but not anymore. I'm going to do it this way. And then just uh, actually it was incredible. It's great. Great thing, revisiting wow. all that stuff. Musically, yeah. awesome. awesome. Oh, Can I tell you how exciting it was for me to revisit Versus um, yesterday on my phone? Holy shit, I was not planning on having that experience. I emailed you about it. So for our viewers yeah. and our listeners, um, one, of our, one of my good friends asked me the other day, um, should I do ayahuasca? And I said, um, can you handle shrooms and acid? He goes, oh, dude, bro. I don't know if my brain can handle that. I'm like, no. Yeah, well done. No, you do not want to do that. And I said, listen, I have no desire to shit next to people that I don't know and have shamans whispering in my ears, it's going to be okay. That said, there is definitely a medicinal value to ayahuasca. I am not discounting DMT or any of that sort of stuff. But as a lot of 
people have been learning, you know, my, one of my friends works at McLean, um, which uh, in, in Massachusetts, where they're studying the effects of psilocybin and ketamine, Psil drugs I use. Yeah, psilocybin, uh, psilocybin, whatever, fucking, yeah. I can't speak here. <laughs> um, and, and ketamine, both drugs I used to do for leisure uh, back in the day, but they made me feel better. And, and now apparently these are supposed to be the strongest drugs in the world to reset people who have PTSD, people who have serious mm -hmm. depression, and uh, you can go to a lot of hospitals and they will actually take you on like guided journeys with small amounts <laughs> of these medications or whatever. Yeah, so I, uh, I, one of my friends at a party shows up with a shroom chocolate bar. It's, it's got a, a, a 3.5 grams, which is an eighth, which is what I would have normally taken in high school and given to any chick. Like whatever, here's an eighth, take it, eat it, well, you'll be fine. You're saying 3.5 grams of mushrooms, actually not 3.5 grams of psilocybin. Yeah, 3.5 grams of mushrooms, okay. supposedly. Okay. Yes, not so of psilocybin. Just Jesus a Christ. little, tiny, going... little, tiny, little juicy component. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's not like 3.5 grams of just THC. It's 3.5 yes. grams of pot. Yes, I get it. Um, so, yes, 3.5 grams of what I would normally ingest any day of the week at a, as a 17-year-old. I took – okay, so they have it rated between one and three pieces is supposed to be – um, microdose, where you basically don't feel it, but like it's supposed to help like reset things. Four to seven pieces is supposed to be like therapeutic. And then eight to 12 is supposed to be shaman. And I'm like, dude, 3.5 grams will ever make me go shaman. So you ate okay? the whole bar then? No, no. I <laughs> ate four pieces because I wanted to microdose. I told my girlfriend, like, I don't want to get high. I just want to see if it like affects me, feels anything. I was <laughs> tripping at the Goddamn Fillmore, man. I literally <laughs> walked to the park with my mask on and bread in my, in my pocket with my headphones on listening to Versus. So I'm like, I'm going to catch up on things. And I'm like, oh my God. First off, Rearview Mirror, I think, changed my life yesterday. <laughs> Just like it did 20-something years ago. It changed my life yesterday because I was thinking to myself, I'm like, oh my God. Hindsight is 2020. I'm on a mm. show called 2020. I'm talking to David about his hindsight, and the song's called Rearview Mirror, and its metaphorical meaning to me is sort of about what we've been talking about. At least to me, I don't know what Eddie Vedder meant. And I'm saying this, I'm, I'm thinking this as I'm feeding geese a little bit of wheat bread from the back of my, my, my pants, and I'm making them wait for it. And these geese came from like 30 feet away over a course, I think, of 45 minutes, maybe, um, and realized that I was friendly enough to stand there patiently and not move. Not blinking. Yeah, listen, not blinking. <laughs> not blinking, just enjoying the day, listening to rats. I wish I could have observed this as like a third party. I know, me too. You I, I put, I put Dirty Frank on there, which, by the way, I don't know what the fuck that song is. Do you play drums on that song? Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. song literally yeah. made me go mental. I was like, I don't know who Frank is and why he's dirty and what the scat thing is and when he you guys a truck driver and we were convinced that he was making anus ankle soup out of our pans in the third bay of the bunk. <laughs> and the way he talked was like, hey, you guys, uh, you know, it's not copaceptic if you did the blah, blah, blah. He said copaceptic in the song. I remember per thinking se, you can't uh, don't per se ever enter the third bay ever. Never. He was from Great Kill, Long, Long Island. His name was Frank Zippich. And he was wow. awesome. He, he woke up one night. We woke up. We had to be 
in, uh, at, you know, at load in and all this. And we woke up and he was asleep. He's like laying in the thing asleep and he's supposed to be driving, right? And so Eric wakes him up and he sits up and he goes, oh, black ice. And I was waiting for it to melt. <laughs> the end of the tour, we found uh, really the third bay was full of booze bottles. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's nice. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Last time we saw him, he was looking out the bus window as it was going backwards. Drunk, drunk as shit on a hill in Seattle. And he looked at me and he goes, hey, Dave, you got a log? <laughs> wow. <laughs> trying to block the tires. So that wait a minute. Scary. So that's what it takes for to inspire Eddie Vedder to write a song about you? <laughs> Actually, that was a one-take thing, that whole thing. The drums, I played it once. I don't know if those guys... Stone, I don't think, fixed anything. I think there were some minor overdubs, and Eddie busted the words out. So, Dude, that wow. song, that's amazing to me. That song is fucking cool, especially yeah. knowing that, because it's yeah. just it, – and, and I will point out um, uh, the bass playing on it, the, the, the fretless bass on it is fucking yeah. banana land. And it gives and – it, it, and, and excuse me for comparing you, but it has a Red Hot Chili Peppers vibe to me. But like, oh, no, that's what it was to me. It was a tribute. It was the tribute because Stone started playing that guitar riff, and and then we just kicked into it. And it was at the end of all that time that we had spent on our first tour, and the, the things were starting to grow. And it was uh, with the Chili Peppers. We'd been with them for like maybe three to six months at that point. So wow. how was that? Yeah. Maybe. Oh, there was one time I laid under Chad's floor toms of the drumstick and played three songs. He played his kick drum part because his pedal broke. No, 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 no. no. Set this didn't up. didn't even notice. I, You're not glossing over this, Abrazees. What the fuck happened? <laughs> you, were, you were Chad Smith's, like, left foot for a night? <laughs> well, we were, we were always like, you know, every drummer and every tour I've ever been with, that Lollapalooza was unbelievable. We were, uh, we were a nice fraternity in a weird way, a bunch of weirdos. But we all watched each other and we jammed together. And like there was a night I slid under Bill Reiflin playing for ministry. And we knew Al was tripping. So Bill went up and just stood shoulder to shoulder with Al, not touching him, just standing there staring at him while I was playing the drum part. <laughs> and so when Al glanced over, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, just things like that. We had a lot of fun. But in the Chili Peppers thing, um, his pedal broke. And I just, I happened to be there. And so... And you knew the I, part. I, I whack on floor toms for give it away. So I just, yeah, I just laid under the floor tom and hit hit with my stick, and it was fun. I got to tip my hat. Wow. The most impressive part about that story is, is tripping on acid while performing, because I got to tell you, and uh, I, back in the day, I thought I was, um, I was invincible. And oh, yesterday, 1.25 grams made me feel like I could be Timothy Leary. So <laughs> I don't know if I could have. I, I thought feeding the birds was a chore. Okay, I actually uh, ran over a stump mowing my lawn and actually dismembered my steel chassis to my lawn mower. What my time whole was that? Uh, huh? What time was, what this time at? was that? Seven o'clock at night. My whole neighborhood <laughs> heard about it, and thankfully, I'd given all of them sparklers the night before, and I explained to them that I am incapable of man work, like changing oil or lawn stuff. So my neighbors all start laughing. Man. And they all come over. I'm tripping face. My neighbor's like, I got 
I got this. Comes over with all these tools, starts complaining about the metric system, fixes the whole <laughs> takes the chassis off because the chassis actually broke down the middle. I can send you pictures. It's just bent. So what he did is he took the wheel off, took the chassis part out that wasn't it, put the wheel back on, and then I continued mowing to the Beatles. You know what I mean? Like but for, wow. for a very short period of time, I thought that the world was fucking with me. Cause I was like, all I'm trying to do is impress my girlfriend that like I'm doing something, that I've done something with my that fucking you've done day. mushrooms. Right? <laughs> no, but I did something. She came home and it's nice. And instead I can't even mow the fucking lawn without dismembering a $700 mower. Well, maybe try mowing the lawn sober. <laughs> I'm not good at that either. <laughs> uh, Benny, I think if you were doing that as a proper religious ceremony, um, the way mushrooms were intended in the land where I did them and how I first got turned on to them, you would emerge from the sweat lodge of warrior. <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, man, I actually wrote that email as you got, and I basically said that I had no business being that fucked up as a 37-year-old man on a Sunday afternoon for literally no reason. <laughs> it sounded like you found the reason, so. Yo, you know, well, here's the thing is, and people don't realize, so where the good part about the hallucinogenic thing where you can get it from ayahuasca or you can get it from acid or from shrooms, in my mind, is that it makes you emotionally purge because the first thing it does for me is makes me feel guilty. I think about the girl that I didn't say the right thing to in seventh grade, and I'm like, does she have a Facebook? I should probably say I'm sorry, which is why you should never have an internet connection or a phone. Because like, I can only the imagine. The first thing is guilt, and then I start going like, I listened to I'll Be Back by the Beatles, and I was convinced that this is what I, after my girlfriend, who's a, who's a nurse on the front lines of COVID-19, works a 12-hour shift, that the first thing I should do before she takes a shower or sits down or eats, that would be a, a paramount importance would be to play I'll Be, Come, uh, I'll be Back by the Beatles, because that was written for me as an allegory, as a metaphor for her to understand why I will still be there regardless of whether she beats the shit out of me. <laughs> that's deep wow yeah that's i something. can understand it though because i've i've got the same kind of trip with that doobies china grove song i love china grove what a good <laughs> tune man that that's one of those bands that as an older person i used to be like the doobie brothers like what kind of fucking losers listen to that shit and then i went and saw the doobie brothers i'm like these guys are awesome they are awesome but i really don't i don't have the same attachment to that song i just want to clear that up <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, this is so interesting. I can't say I have much experience with uh, hallucinogenics, but I mean, do you feel like there have been, like, in your, ex what? How about Doobie Brothers? Do, do I have experience with the Doobie Brothers? Yeah. Not much, no. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. She's no, our just... link, David. She's our link to the people that actually listen to music now. She's the one no, that, that doesn't matter. She's I mean, the I'm... band that's current, that people listen to and care about. No, we but would, I, Corey and I never knew about it. You at least know about it. She is living that now. I'm living what now? Being in a band that people care about, being relevant, not yeah, knowing the Doobie being Brothers relevant and doesn't not necessarily caring. matter. I bet you have more yeah, streams than the Doobie Brothers. You got to be relevant to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't care who I'm relevant totally to, true. other than the people in my life, like my mom. <laughs> you, yeah, there you, go. you three, you three mean a lot to me. You're all, you know, very relevant to me. Oh, Aww, yeah, I that's, wanna, no, I, that's a beautiful statement. It's true. I, I want to say first off, thank you, but also you've eluded me. So every all of our podcast people know that you're calling from a disclosed, uh, undisclosed location. We're not really sure where it is either, but I want to let you know that after our last podcast, that we all found the perfect gift for you. 
So at some point you're going to have to explain to us like a meet off point or a person that can like curry this over to you because we have something that we all put a lot of love into that we want to say thank you for being a part of our lives, playing on our record and for uh, being so gracious to talk to us even. And again, you even told me this morning you weren't feeling well and, and you still, you're talking to us where I'd just be like, fuck these guys. I'm sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did that for the last like, 15 years. I, I, it's a new year, new year's resolution. I'm actually going to, you know, say yeah and want to. Nice. That's great. Glad you're starting with us. Music's a big part of it, actually. And it's just, if I'm not inspired with music, then the rest of the bullshit just doesn't really, it's just not entertaining, you know? Like the stuff that surrounds it. I guess the stuff that makes me relevant. Okay, (laughs) so I have to ask you, so the question that Siobhan asked you, clearly it caused a lot of introspection. And now for people that are guitar players like myself that don't know what that word means, he looked inside (laughs) himself. And I want to know, what does that introspection look like, David? This is one of the things I was wondering whilst feeding the birds, listening to blood. It's rich. It's very rich and dense and um, not underappreciated. That was was like affirming to me that that through all of everything, the, the reasons and yeah, you know, all of my motivations have been, um, I guess, proper, understandable, acceptable. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I don't have any regrets for any stuff because I can see all. It was just from that one simple exam, uh, you know, examination of a period. Um, you know, early teens when things were really shifting and it just like all the fucked up shit and great shit happened at the same time perfectly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Cause it was, the, it was the same thing. So. So do you believe in serendipity? Ooh, you know, I don't think I really looked at any, I didn't believe in anything until, you know, my first mushroom experience. And then <laughs> I, well, now I that you've taken mushrooms, huh? Now that I, you've I, taken I mushrooms, no, I just thank the universe a lot. So synchronicity more than serendipity, more like the police. I, uh, my decisions affect which way things happen next. And yeah, I don't think it's yeah. predetermined. I just get excited that, you know, I make but the, the, the alignment of, of those things. Isn't that just the synchronicities amongst those things? Not that they're predetermined, but that the similarities that just happen. Well, it, it, it's the way it is. Do you think it's like, a, it's like a, per, a perspective thing? You know, things happen and, and how you look at them is what kind of defines them? Well, yeah. I mean, if yeah. I wasn't here to, to, you know, perceive you, you wouldn't exist. So you're welcome. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Descartes. Thank you. I appreciate Please it. welcome Descartes, Cartesian thought. Thank, thank you for wow. willing us David into existence. David is not the same candle <laughs> as he was no, no, no. before he started just, burning. My, it was my perception. That's yes. all. Not, not, I didn't will you into existence. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you know what william blake said right if the william if the blake, doors are pers- his wife? that guy no 1720 uh, if the doors uh, of perception <laughs> if the doors of perception were cleansed all things would appear to man as they truly are infinite which is why jim morrison got really fucked up on acid and then started with the doors oh hippie dribble really ruined a lot of great minds it did <laughs> It did. In fact, <laughs> it, you know what's funny is that I actually love I'm the Doors, so, and they're a band I'm that hasn't. 
I'm saying that, but I got a sage is so much fucking tattooed on my arm. So, <laughs> you, but did you do that as a sign of allegiance to the band right away? Like, no, was it no, like this was this that dude standing on top of this thing? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I see the mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fun guy. I feel far too sober for this episode. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> no, can we tell Corey? Can I tell the one story of you on the shrooms? Watson's book. That, you should read that was a long time ago, Ben. I'm, I'm can, a, I'm a can I tell you something now. that's really funny about Corey? Because Corey's kind of a straight-laced dude, but we, we, we tripped on shrooms one time because one of our <laughs> friends said, hey, man, you know what you could do instead of eating that shit that tastes like shit that grows on shit? You can actually make it in tea. I'm like, really? You can make it in uh, tea? So my mm -hmm. friend gave me like a, a fucking, I don't know, four ounces of, uh, of these intensely strong shrooms. Like psychotically strong shrooms and i made like i don't know an ounce in tea for like four of us and we were like we're going to double dip this and like do it lit. we had like just finished drinking the first glass and we were already like oh my god and Corey, <laughs> uh, that, that's actually not true and not that i want to get <laughs> too deep into this but we finished the first glass and we're like Ah, nothing happened. So we started. Oh, the no. We started the second it's glass. Second glass. It was the second <laughs> it was glass. Like three sips into that that we were like, oh shit. Yeah, this yeah. is only like three, four, five minutes into it, and they're like, oh, this is rookie mistake. Be a big deal. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, these are the things you learn from, right? So yeah. first off, Paul Lorenzo, who was with us, spent about four hours trying to figure out if it was safe to go outside, while Corey kept saying to me, "I think I'm going to have to tell Domi, who's now his wife, that I'm insane forever. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to explain it to her, but I think." I think that that's what's going to have to happen. Made sense at the time. And then Paul's just like <laughs> peering around the corner, like, "Can we go outside? Are they seeing us?" And then our buddy Frank, who was our bass player at the time, was just walking around, like, "Everything's fine." And like Paul's like looking at the yeah. window, like, "Is it okay?" Goodness. Corey's like, "I'm surely insane," and I'm just like staring at the fucking ceiling, watching the wall. I'm grateful that it I wore picked off. Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, what? What we were able to witness right here is. Um, See, I worked in rehab for a while, helping folks that were basically, you know, normal, just whatever, just, you know, the wrong people caught them doing stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they and had to go through bullshit. And um, listen to these two guys talk. These are two guys I'm so glad made it through to this point in their lives without having to go through any of that bullshit. Oh man, I say it every day to people, yeah. and, I, and and I I even said oh, um, I would have fucked you guys up so bad. I'm so happy that you well, guys I, I, I've said to people too. Innocence with these experiences. I don't even go to my <laughs> if, if my friends OD or whatever. Mm -hmm. I won't even go to their funerals anymore. And I've said that to some of my friends who have been in bad situations. Like I won't come to your funeral because I've gone to too many funerals for people like that. So I'm lucky enough where I was able to experiment and do some pretty crazy stuff, and you know, live to tell the story. But like very easily things can go wrong. So basically the point is don't do drugs <laughs> unless they're psychedelic drugs and you need to be around friends and make sure you take the proper amount. Yeah, and also there's another point, which is don't listen to people saying don't do drugs the day after they did a fucking great dose. <laughs> You're underappreciating your evening. That's drug abuse, sir. Oh man, you sound like my girlfriend. You're a drug abuser.
No. Oh, brother, don't misunderstand me. The drug abuse is that you're you're not still celebrating how fucked up you got. Not oh. has nothing. You're no. abusing the, the the ability of that drug to fucking wow. Oh yeah, no, no. Well, well, here let me let me ask a question. Uh, so so I, like I said, I don't have much experience with microdosing or dosing of any hallucinogenics. But can any of you maybe answer if you, there was it like one experience where you took it and your life totally changed, like? Irreversible. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I For the better? Whoa. Yeah, I don't even know how I would tell it. So, but anyway, if it wasn't for mushrooms, I wouldn't have even had the gas money to get to the audition. Or no, I'm sorry, to get up with my kit for the gig. I already okay. got the gig. How did that I happen? Had drive, I had to drive my kit up, and they only had a 24-foot truck, and all I needed was a 10-foot truck. So it was like three grand in gas. And I, you know, it was like, Sold my fucking 78 Ranchero to get some new splash symbols and some sticks. And then took my girlfriend's car, my last 50 bucks, and wow. drove four and a half hours to the mushroom fields in August. There was a little blip of rain on the radar, and I thought, eh, whatever. And I went and found, you know, $6,000 worth of mushrooms. The wrong time of year, perfect, most incredible thing ever. Called a friend of mine, 600 bucks. It all worked out, but that's not how they changed my life. That's just another way they factored in. <laughs> because at that point, I was I wasn't taking them anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I was just actually just I'd go take photos and had a lot of respect. But my first experience was with a friend of mine, and and it was in. I knew when it was over with, I was going to be different because that was mm-hmm. the whole point. It was like a. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, in the way that I was approaching it, um, it was an experience that you were going to learn something of yourself that to survive the experience, it, you know, you would become more of that. Your, your strength would come out. So mm-hmm. if you, you know, stayed in the, in the experience and cried, and then that's the way you were treated for the rest of your life in that culture where this, you know, this... Uh, uh, way of, of uh, this use of, of psychotropics so <laughs> i drank like two gallons of pureed uh very fresh incredible mushrooms after a day of you know 14 hours going to pick them and all this stuff and um and it was three days of the most incredible surreal whatever uh you know i was somewhere else i won't get too deep into that but mm-hmm. when i came out of it yeah i was completely different like wow. yeah, you, I, I saw certain things made sense that they were important and other things were so easy to, you know. Well, David, yeah. tell me if this is correct. Cause so one of the things that, and Siobhan obviously not having done, done this, but I, I feel like you're a mental virgin if you haven't taken like serious hallucinogenic drugs, whether it's shrooms or acid or, you know, mescaline or whatever. And then when you, when you take them, it's just like, you go, Oh, Oh, and there's part you like, you realize that there's parts of your brain you haven't used. And I remember when I, so this is what happened to me. I was watching the movie payback in the movie theater. So that dates it to like the nineties, Mel Gibson. One of my friends is too, it's too big a deal. And you just said, um, don't forget that the cultures that used these things spiritually to open and new, and it saw them as a positive way of, of something that, that you could take into your life. That's from your ancestors and from, the earth and the energy of the universe, all these things, all those cultures were destroyed by the culture that was terrified of all that shit. No, uh-huh. completely. And, ter- and Timothy Leary set us that, back years. 
That, well, they know they destroyed it. The, those cultures are gone. I completely, by the way. I completely I, I agree with that. And I think that it's so important. And there's actually a resurgence, again, especially with what we were just talking my, about. My whole point is, is that white uh, Protestant Europeans aren't, there's a reason that that wasn't part of their ritual. Mm. There's a reason. Yeah, um, well, it's a lot of uh, re repression and, you know, trying to well, ignore yeah. elements of the brain and... Well, you know, it was, it was during MK Ultra until they decided they couldn't control people <laughs> they want, the way they wanted to. So, in fact, well, yeah, I, I disagree, things. David. We actually gave people as the United States government. Um, oh, no, acid. I'm not talking about LSD. I'm talking, yeah, about, true, like, true I'm talking about organic things that were around way before people wrote. Yeah, Fair enough. Sure. But all right, so to share my first experience, and David, you could tell me, you know, hopefully you find amusement in this. Um, it was a very religious experience for me, and it did open my eyes. But it started off very, you know, not what I expected. I was, I went to go see the movie Payback in Florida with one of my friends. I was with one of my other good friends, and my buddy just casually pulls out a four strip of acid, <laughs> and just casually, and like this is the way it always happens. Like no one tells you like what's about to happen. They just like they just give it to you. They put it under your tongue. Okay. Now let me ask you this before you go on. How important would you say is your mindset or like your your mental preparation before doing this? Because I feel like that's probably something. I had no mental miss. preparation, but that's the fact is, yeah, you got I had no mental. I had no asshole. mental preparation. But here's what was good. I, I was I was young, stupid, confident, and not really anxious all the time because I had nothing to worry about. So my yeah. temperament overall, yeah, because that could be scary. Disposed. I imagine. Well, yeah, but yes, you, you should. Yes, it's imperative that you're in a good environment with good people and like, because what's, whatever you feel is amplified. So if you're happy, you can be way happier. If someone freaks you out, it's like the scariest thing ever. So anyway, I'm on my way back home to my buddy's house. Are we gonna feel it? And my buddy, all of a sudden, he's looking at uh, just a plain white wall and he goes, do you guys see the patterns? And my buddy just starts laughing and he goes, you're just tripping. And he's like, no. And he's like looking right at the wall. Do you guys see the patterns? <laughs> you're just tripping I'm like I don't and then I thought my friend's mouth started going up like this started like laughing I'm like why are you laughing at me dude he's like I'm not laughing at you and he's like well, I'm like why are you laughing at me and like he's like I'm not laughing and I'm like dude what and he's like dude you're just tripping and the next thing I know he had this coca-cola sign on the wall with uh Santa and then Santa started coming out at me and said you must go party I'm serious. We're on a second story window. All right. And we're in a second story room. And we, we figure the best way out of the house is through the window down the tree. So we literally climb down in the total darkness um, down this tree. And my buddy falls into my friend's pool, which is also a bad thing to do. Gets out. We're all fucking wet. Nobody notices. We're in a private gated community. And in, in, so this is totally an Anglo-Saxon trip. It's not a, uh, a religious journey that way. And one thing with, with acid is that you don't, know where light is coming from so we're in this gated community past the hours it's like one o'clock in the morning and everybody's front yard light looks like there's cars coming down the street and i'm having all these auditory hallucinations so we're like basically ducking behind bushes and like hiding behind mailboxes thinking there are people after us and it's just there's nobody there's nobody and then all of a sudden we hear dun 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 like like an edm beat this is like 99 98 like when it was techno dun dun Done. And we see this house and there's just like a strobe light coming out of it. And Adam, my buddy Adam, points up and goes, that's the party. All right. How did we get into that party? We climbed up the fucking tree and we went into a third story window. 
where there was just a bunch of people all fucking out of their minds. I had no idea they were rolling on ecstasy. They thought we were on ecstasy. So the first oh thing goodness. that happens is the room, they're, they're, they have strobe lights. It's all dark. There's a bunch of people. They go, we got to blow them up. We got to blow them up. Now I'm tripping face. Never tripped before. They grab me by my arms. They grab me by my legs. They put Vicks Vapor Rub over my face and they start swinging me back and forth, thinking this is helping me. And I'm like, oh my God. And that was the first time I ever tripped on acid. What kind of cult was that? The Vicks Vapor Rub cult? No, <laughs> so listen. So the, the, never heard of a, what the fuck kind of party is that? <laughs> rub Vicks Vapor Rub on someone's face and then no not for acid. They were on. They were on MDMA. They were on. They were no rolling. Excuse, no chemical excuse for that behavior. Right. No, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't do that. I, Would you make it? But no, but if you're on if you're on ecstasy, it's supposed to make you feel. I I didn't come up with the term. This is just what happened to me. I am relaying the weirdness. Like, yeah, maybe naked and you know slathered up and dick paper over icy hot. Basically, it ended up with me at home staring into the mirror, which is what you're not supposed to do because they say don't stare into a mirror. So the first thing you do is stare in the mirror. And then I basically became the Mona Lisa, and I thought I knew the meaning of life, and it was just it was really incredible because I I was like 16. Were you driving too? No. Oh my God. I don't think I could have even reached the steering wheel. Uh, I drove for four hours biting my steering wheel once. <laughs> with wow. the and he's still here. And he's still here, with ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, with the lights off all night. It was a full moon. It was beautiful. I could see everything. <laughs> I think my pupils have folded back in on my on my iris. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. So cute. And I was going to say, this makes me wonder if it's almost something to that's better to do in, in seclusion, like rather than with other people. Not seclusion, no. Not with seclusion. People. But no, it depends. Yeah. Depends. It, it, it's a, like uh, most organics are a communal event by way of there's, you know, there's a care being given uh, at some level by by someone who's experienced. And, and there, you know, there's a, a guided feeling to it. But sure. You know, the experience on itself is is completely personal. Not it's not selfish, but it, it it's, internal. It's, yeah, there there yeah, may be a time you go by yourself, but you should definitely, if you've never tripped before, be with someone who understands what's going on. And even if they're within, tripping, within earshot at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because sure. the thing is, there's times where you could literally be going down a. The thing that's crazy about these type of drugs is that you could be going down a bad road, and all of a sudden you might see spiders crawling all over you. And then Dave walks into oh. the room and he goes, "Sunshine!" And all of a sudden you're like. I love my life. And all of a sudden, uh -huh. like there's sunshine everywhere because your people well, and your environment. If the, if, that's if the universe decides your trip's not supposed to suck. <laughs> <laughs> but if it is, you're going to end up in the closet all curled up naked saying the Commodore made me do it. <laughs> wow. I will, I will tell you, never Siobhan. Happened, never happened to me, but you know. <laughs> one, of the, one of the times I tripped on, on mushrooms, I listened to Vladimir Horowitz play Hungarian Rhapsody. I think it was 25 times in a row. And my friends and I like literally cleaned my entire rug on my floor, but by my hand, our hands, like we just gone around and we we're just listening to Hungarian Rhapsody and we're just cleaning, like instead of vacuuming, cleaning the little particles in our rug. So there's like eight of us on the ground listening to Vladimir Horowitz 24 times. Sounds and it's like, like a 14 minute piece. Uh, ben, Benny, bro, um, this is a personal question, but I assure you that your answer, if it's yes, um, only it only makes you more badass. Um, did, did you have, do you have a, like a chemical imbalance from when you were little? 
Oh yeah, no, I'm totally fucking messed up. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool then. All yeah. I mean, fuck. I'm sitting here. I'm ready to fucking get all personal with you when we're done. Fucking talking to you about all this shit. But no. Well, so the the truth is, is that, and people have said this, and this is not necessarily a good or a bad thing. Is whether you love me or hate me, you'll never meet anyone like me because I'm a weird permutation. Like I'm a, and, and I. It was ironic because we were talking about the 2020 podcast. Um, you know, Jason Costa from uh, the drummer from All That Remains said as he you know did the show, he was like Benny you're going to sell some music, but this is what you're, this is what's going to make you money. And he's like, everyone's going to know you. And it's like, thanks for telling me my riffs aren't original enough that you'll remember me forever. But like, but then in some ways I take it as a compliment because yes, I'm fucking weird, David. Thanks for noticing. I've always oh, been weird. And that's no, but I'm saying I appreciate that. And that's why I have such a symposium of friends and people are so yeah. forgiving of me. The greatest thing ever is that I was just joking. <laughs> have you ever have you met me i take things very seriously uh, yeah and i love that about you and yes i have that's why that was a joke to me i didn't mean to wind, i wound you up on purpose i love it when your string gets you should you it's better for, the, for everybody listening they're like listen how neurotic this fucking crazy no, tune yeah, is I don't find you, yeah. you notice it shows in, in his music and his talent as well because yeah she's very wound up Corey's like, I got a lot of phone calls that I can exemplify exactly what you're talking about. I, I can't wait till you're here in my space oh. and I get to feed off that energy that, that you have. Um, I mean, I, I wish Sean Smith were still alive because I think that three of – and it was something that actually my engineering good friend said to me before I even considered it. He said, wow, you know, Benny and Sean and you would, would have done amazing things together. Because Doesn't he still have music that needs to be finished, though? No, I have music that, that he and I were doing that needs to be finished, yeah. yeah. So doesn't that mean that there's still an opportunity for us all to work together? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, no, that's that's this year's goal. It's, it's The music's incredible, and, you know, it's great. And, and it's actually this something, and I hope you don't mind, but I'll talk about it for just a second. The, the sure. process that into he came over and we had a deep respect for each other but we never were in a situation where we connected we jammed together once um sean lennon had come out to visit and so when sean came in it was kind of like the whole vibe got kind of weird and and then stone showed up and the vibe got even more weird because you know, we were in this huge band but i didn't have his phone number you know so <laughs> so um when sean and i started talking about you know, I, I, about maybe collaborating. Um, he said, well, he had gotten in touch with me and said, I, I wanted you to, uh, yeah, I liked what you did with Peter. I wanted to see what you think of this other stuff. And, you know, we got to kind of butter each other's bread. And then I said, well, why don't you just come over? For reference, like, Peter Cornell, Chris Cornell's brother, correct? Yeah. Because yeah, so, not everybody his, follows you as, as much as I do because I'm obsessed. Yeah, that, that record was cool because, you know, Peter had finished it and he said, can you just do something, you know, to, to and so I re-recorded the drums and it's just turned into a totally just a, a different. It's awesome sounding, dude. Yeah, I love that record. And, um, but when Sean came over, you know, we sat down and he had such an opposite, you know, polarized perspective of the same times and events. You know, he was Stone's friend. So he was hearing what was going on when I, you know, I wasn't. And so he had a, a it was like, it just blew my mind. It just, 
and and we both found out that that we kind of so Sean Lennon was your mole. Sean, no, Sean, Sean Smith. At this point, oh, I went Sean to, Smith. I I'm like, Sean he Smith. said Sean Lennon. Now you're getting me no, stoned no, on being stoned. No, Sean Smith was playing keyboards when Sean came in, and and okay, Stone came in, and it was uncomfortable. So, uh, so we never really got to talk, but we got to play a little bit. And so, I mean, he did shows with us. I don't even, you know, he got booed off the stage at, at Drop in the Park. I don't even remember any of that stuff. Um, but when he came over and we started talking, um, I, you know, we hit it off so well. I felt we, we were just really connected. And I picked up my guitar and started playing. And, and he was, you know, he was singing loose for phrasing and, and things such as that. But he was such a sincere, heartfelt guy that, the words that he was using to form the vocal melodies were, it was basically him processing the conversations, the intense conversations that we were just sharing. And so they ended up becoming just as they were with just a few changes here and there, the, the meaning and the message is, is it's so poetic and it's um, meaningful, meaningful to both of us in such a profound way. And so we decided, you know, let's, let's do this thing together. It's, um, it was, you know, a, a process that was incredible and uh, a relationship that was forming and, and that forming, he was a brother for sure. And um, he, we were talking, sent a few songs and he was supposed to come back over and then I didn't hear from him. And then I found out, you know, he passed away. So. My God. But man, it was incredible. The songs he sent, I didn't open them for the longest time. I ran across them. And each one of them was, you know, again, he was just same we always did. The words were just coming out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they, <laughs> yeah, you, you will hear them. And they were just not as though he knew he was gonna, but what he was saying made me feel better about the fact that he was gone than I did before, you know, like it, he, wow, it, what sure. was coming out of him, you know, it's better. Yeah. If you got to go, he, he went at his right time, you know, right. but damn it, he left me with a lot of music and, <laughs> but I, you know, a lot of inspiration and, and a lot of, um, you know, it's like there's songs I, that I'm going to sing. I'm not a singer, but I have to do them, you know, yeah. because I know, mm -hmm. I know, um, I, I don't think I ever hear anyone else sing it right. Right. You know? Yeah. Wow. But he's a freak, very talented freak. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, very talented freak. Sean Smith, rest in peace. Rest in peace. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I admire your sincerity, David, with everything music, because everything you talk about, um, you know, obviously there's a business and then there's like the esoteric, ethereal, you know, language of music and you seem i mean it's not that you haven't been through the business but you are just so polar organic you mean organic true blue i do this because i feel it i do it because i'm into it i, I vibe with it and your motivations are always emotional as far as music and it's really refreshing in so many ways because you know like there's so many people that have to conform to trends and do so much stuff now and you're just you are so aloof and autonomous from all of that that to hear you speak even just about your friend like i don't know what the music sounds like 
but just hearing you talk about it and the, and, and the way that you're so moved talking about it, now I have to hear it. And now I even feel an obligation to like help in whatever way I can just because of your conviction, your energy, just like you say, I'm crazy. Your energy as far as your passion transfers and your playing and the way that you convey your music and why you play music. And that is so inspiring to me. And I hopefully for everyone that's listening and watching the show. Well, you know, thank you. And, and it was a blessing. I, I thought it was a curse for the longest time. I mean, it was, uh, in a way it was a curse, but it, it, at the time it was just a challenge that I tried, but I could never really understand this business thing. It went from getting in the van, us busting ass, um, things going okay, um, selling millions of records, all this shit, blah, blah, blah. And, and that quick and, and we were so busy. Our schedule was so busy. The only thing that matters is playing, being able to perform every night. And, and you know, I still, I'm proud to say that I can, I know every time I ever fucked up every live show, I, I remember every mistake and there's four of them. That was it. <laughs> and I mean, I'm talking about like, you know, missing the snare. Yeah. yeah. Or going to grab a cymbal and knuckling it. But other than that, um, you know, I paid attention to the music. I tried to understand the rest, but luckily there were all these people getting paid a ton of money to take care of all of it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't see bills and then I was a millionaire and I, and I, when I didn't see bills when I was broke or file taxes. And when I was a millionaire, I didn't see bills or file taxes either. Wow. Mm -hmm. Just played drums. And yeah, that's amazing. You know, I think that was part of the thing too, you know, um, it was so not my bad. And the first time I talked into a microphone was accepting the 1993 band of the year and album of the year AMAs. Wow. By, my, by myself, uncoached by my so-called integral manager, by the way, um, <laughs> just left me hanging. It was horrible, but fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> Were you tripping? <laughs> No, I was stoned out of my mind. <laughs> it was were you picturing was... them all naked or did you think that you were naked? Oh, my God. No, I was picturing walking up there and I, I made epic. I, I said, I'll do it if, you know, you'll buy me some clothes. So I was wearing shit. I had a $3,000 vest. And, you know, and don't forget, like, the, you know, the, when I was at the Max Fields trying on these incredible clothes. I showed up wearing fucking Birkenstocks, some cut off long johns, and whatever the fuck I was wearing that day, you know? And so <laughs> I was just expecting to go up there with Jeff and Stone. And if I had to say anything, I'd say, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Amon, and he'd stutter because he gets nervous, he stutters. Um, but yeah, neither one of those guys showed up right after Eric. My tour manager, that's why I made him go up there with me because he made me smoke that joint. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there just miserable. Oh my God. And then when I went up and looked down and Diana Ross. I feel like we head. need to like get some B roll of this like on YouTube oh, and go oh, back and watch YouTube. this. No, it's it's on YouTube. We have, oh, to, yeah, see no, we have to watch yeah, this. There's one spot where I go all the way across and my drummer friend in, in uh, Fire Hose, Eddie said it was the most embarrassing moment of his life. No. I mean, I hugged the guy, and I remember saying in his ear, this is the most fucked up shit ever. <laughs> and, and, I on and I said, okay, maybe I can now, you know, I'm not so nervous. I can say all the things 
that I was too nervous to say before. And right as I said that, I looked down and there's Michael Jackson, Diana Ross, Aretha Franklin. Oh, my God. <laughs> Glad, Gladys Knight, all sitting within seven feet of where I was standing. No pressure. Yeah. And I, and I looked, and Diana, Diana Ross went like this. Just raised her eyebrow. Like, she looked at me and she just went, mm-hmm, go ahead. And I went, uh-huh. that's, my, that's what I did. I went, uh-huh. well, uh, blah, blah, blah. Thank you, my count. <laughs> but it was, you know, Eddie You know, you, could, you had an opportunity to yell San Dimas High School football rules and you didn't, David. Dude, like I said, it was the second, it was the first time I'd ever spoken to a microphone. That's I'm crazy. fucking with you. The second time was at the Modern Drummer Festival, playing in front of all my heroes and 2,500 people. I'm supposed to talk into a microphone. So I put a dress on and just <laughs> drank some You put a dress on? Did you and Scott Weiland show up in dresses? No, it was a, it was a kilt from the drummers of the Black Bottle Scottish li- nice. liquor. Yeah, they gave me a couple of shots and a kilt to break the neck. <laughs> That's all he needs. Sounds like Scottish people. Oh, that's 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 our new shirt. Twenty twenty, a couple uh, a couple shots in a kilt. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. I went out and and they surprised me and gave me a, a modern drummer award um, for up and coming drummer. It was like oh wow. And this is on you know this is a story that'll melt your heart. This is on my. I told my folks when I was a little kid. I wrote them a note and said I wanted to try to do this thing. Yeah, and. Uh, I couldn't do it unless that's what I did. And I wanted to quit school and I wanted to do it. Blah, blah, blah. And they supported it um, and allowed it to happen. Uh, the universe did somehow. And um, the whole trip was that I'd reevaluate my life when I was like 25. And, you know, I was, this is a 12 year old writing. And I said, you know, and then if it doesn't work out, then I can go back to school or whatever. So, um, on my 25th birthday, I was headlining the Modern Drummer Festival with Louis Belson, Terry Bazio. I mean, <laughs> my heroes. Yeah. Uh, Ginger Baker played after me. Okay. It's unbelievable. And I'd never done a drum clinic. I'd never even talked into a microphone. But other than at the Amy Mays. So, no, this was, uh, this this was before prior the, to it. Yeah. Oh, this was before. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, it was, it, yeah, it was intense. And I decided no plan. I'll just wing it. <laughs> and I was the only one who got a standing O. But it was on my <laughs> 25th birthday, that day that I was going to reevaluate whether. Well, what did you do that you beat out Mr. Titties and Beer, Terry Bozio and Mr. Ginger Baker? I, no, I didn't beat him out. He was the day before. But it was, you know, no, it was a, it's Modern Drummer Festival. It's uh, but, 3, okay, but, but what? But what made drummers stand up? I think it was because I explained how when Terry Bazio was speaking, I was sitting and, and I could hear all that amazing. I just heard everything he said go over my head at the speed of sound, hit the back wall, and then turn into this weird sticky ooze that but was somewhat comforting but still sticky um, <laughs> that went down under everyone's feet. And, I, and that's how I started my thing. I said, look, I could appreciate that, but... It was bong hits and bottom. That's what I did. Yeah. And the whole place, I saw everybody in their shoulders. It, you'd never see anything like 25. I've seen, you know, 65, 200,000 people clapping their hands in my kick drum, but I've never seen 3,000 people go, ah, 
<laughs> that's amazing. I think that's a testament to your authenticity. And I think like that's something that when I think about it does carry you through and feel satisfied at the other end of your career, I'm sure. And I don't know, because I probably still have time to go. But well, I like think Steven- if you maintain those that, you know, that that honesty with yourself and with people, that's that's the human experience is hearing someone tell well, you what they feel and being able to relate to it, whether it's music or speaking for right. sure. Well, that's like Stephen Hawking going up and explaining this crazy advanced thing about science and everyone being like, cool. And then like David coming up and going like, I studied space because I love the moon. (laughs) And then everyone would be like, me too, motherfucker. I smoke bong rips. I love Zeppelin. I listen to Kara Salambra just as long in my time of dying. I listen to all of those songs. Moby Dick solo. Word for word, note for note. There's no words because it's a drum solo, but that's besides the point. Everyone, it was a breath of fresh air because I know I I've seen Terry Bozio. The head, it was the headphones and bong hits. It was like that, even if it wasn't bong hits and and, and you know, but it was that the thing was, it was the drumming. It was the music. It was the the you know whatever it is about drumming that is the you know so important. It was it was that and. Um, that's what inspired me and motivated me. You know, it's like, I, you know, I remember thinking if I could play that, that I respect, then someone will respect me. I didn't understand the proper nuance of, of reality of, of, of what music and art really meant. But, oh, I can bring that on you. Natasha Snyder. Amazing. She said to me one day, you must learn the piano. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> oh, well, okay. And she said, no, you, you, you must, and blah, 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 blah. Next time you were here, we're, we're Alan in her house um, in L.A. So next time you're here, you know, uh, I'll, uh, we'll talk. We'll, I'll talk to you about something. Okay. So next time I was in L.A., we're at the house watching Mr. Show and laughing and stuff. And uh, she says, David, come with me to the music room. <laughs> and I was just like yes and i said all right you know i said all right you're going to teach and i was going to say you're going to teach me and she spun around before the word teach even formed with her finger in my face and she said i will never teach you anything (laughs) all the teacher can do is teach you how to be them and you could never be me and then she said i like that i like that this this is the kicker she said i will give you the fundamental knowledge and the gift of this understanding of this instrument and music and then if you choose to play it with your dick that is music <laughs> basically said i'll give you the the understanding of of this instrument the piano and how these notes work and all these i'll give you this and then when you have that if you choose to play it with your dick that's music so when's that solo and, record that coming out and it was this thing. It was the inspiration of understanding that all of a sudden it was, it was understanding and the motivation and the dedication. And that's oh, but you're right. There, there is a distinction between um, the mechanics of playing an instrument in terms of the physics of creating sound and expression. You know, so right. you, I mean, you're right. Yeah. You can't, yeah, be, I mean, you can't be taught a voice, but you can be taught yeah. how to find your own, you know. Yeah. And that's what her whole point was. If you're motivated to study a certain type of application of this knowledge a certain type of music a certain type of this or a certain instrument then that's that's what will make you you know that that's your your path and in that 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 becomes your path with music and that knowledge um but her whole point was you know once you have it if 
if you if your discipline your or, or if, even if it's just your heart that makes it okay to just hit it with your fist and say yeah. yes that's exactly what then that's music and i got that and it changed every relationship i had with every instrument and that's huge. It inspired, it inspired me to go, if I heard, heard a horn line, to go buy the fucking horn and sit and say, okay, how's this horn work? Read it. Okay, I know if I don't press any buttons, here's the thing to tune it. I know I got to get this note with my armature before I can even... And then even though it was only three notes, I would record those fucking three notes. And it changed everything. It, it made me feel like, okay, you know, I, I got rid of that part that made me feel inferior somehow to other people's skill set. Because even though I love certain instruments, I've, I've never dedicated my life to mastering them, but I can mm -hmm. understand them. And with that understanding, I can truly accept that what I'm doing, although limited to my dedication and, you know, uh, my abilities, but not my knowledge, I can still call it music. Yeah. With, with, without feeling like, you know, I'm not a musician. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't think anyone can say that about you, man. No. <laughs> you are about as much of a musician yeah, as anyone can possibly be. Bass clarinet. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's bringing us to the end of this hour, though. Brought to you by our yeah. sponsors, Lost Symphony. And by the way, David <laughs> plays on Chapter 2, which is uh, on a song called The Garden of Earthly Delights. And we're going to talk a whole lot more to David because, um, you know, he's been kind enough, even though he's not feeling well, it's a crazy hour, wherever the fuck he is. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I just want to say, first off, thank you because, you know, it's such a pleasure because I was listening to these songs yesterday, um, to verses, and this is how I'm going to close it for me. Uh, and it, it was like an old friend because just like Corey said, when you're, when you're younger, modern rock radio destroyed Dissident, Daughter, um, you know, Rearview Mirror, like a lot of songs, because you guys got played fucking nonstop, nonstop. And then I listened to you guys, bootlegs, all kinds of stuff. And to be able to um, talk oh, no, to myself at the end of 2020 <laughs> and tell David how much I absolutely love the fact that now I get to talk to him. It would be only perfect to end 2020 in a way such as <laughs> Where this. he just 2020 does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's how I decided that you were my hero, David. <laughs> oh, he's back. So, that is oh my God. I'm like literally confessing my undying love to you and then you're gone. <laughs> and he's gone again. Uh, that was great. All right. That's all right. Well, so we'll, we'll, we'll pick wrap him up, up on the next, next episode yeah. there. <laughs> all right. Yeah, no, we, I, I do want to say thank you to David. And you know what? Uh, oh, look, he's back again. <laughs> David, thank you so much. What I was basically saying is that it was really nice yesterday to be able to go back and listen to a record I haven't like listened to from start to finish in probably yeah. 20 plus years. I mean, it used to be one side of a tape much like cheap trick. <laughs> um, and, uh, I gotta tell you, man, it was really fun and it was really nice to be able to think one, I'm friends with that guy because first off, when you're friends with somebody, it just makes it so much better when they're your friends. <laughs> and you know, when you're saying something so sincere and from the bottom of your heart and then like, and you're then the like, hello, fucks you over. Yeah, hello, <laughs> hello. Hello. I don't think he like, takes will you marry me? Really well. And then the moment is lost. Yeah. <laughs> and then the moment's right. lost. So we'll bottom line is, David, I love you. And yeah. we're going to do another show. And with that said, you've been 2020. I don't care about his little fucking thing. We're going to talk to him again. BRB. He's from Pearl Jam. He's awesome. 
I don't know about you. I'm going to go take some fucking shrooms. Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear. The people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments. The ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember. The ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.